Well, God bless you. Welcome to On Demand. Glad you're with us today. Today, we talk about boredom. That's right, people, boredom. But I want to show you how to manage boredom in a season of your life where you find yourself like, well, goodness gracious, what do I do? Well, I want to show you in the Bible. It's really great. It's in the book of Ephesians. And it's really important that you hear this sermon because I'm going to give you some simple wisdom today that will help you take advantage of your life opportunities. And I believe that boredom is a life opportunity, a once in a lifetime chance for you to make things better because now you've got time to plan for the future. So stay there. It's going to be great. I'll be right back to pray for you at the end of the message. Enjoy. Glad you're back. Glad to have you with us today. You know, it's really been exciting to talk to you uh, on these special Sundays when we're gathering this way, where I get to just talk to you, just you and me, just having a conversation. You know, now I'm the kind of guy who would love to maybe come in your house. I take my shoes off. Uh, <laughs> when I go to people, people's houses, I say, can you want me to take my shoes off? Now, sometimes they'll say no. Sometimes they'll say yes. If they say no, I go, yeah, because I, I love to take my shoes off. I just, I'm a no-shoe guy. Um, I, <laughs> I feel like taking them off now, but I won't. But here's the deal. Part of what I, I like about um, sitting now talking to people is I like just sharing just like the real stuff and, and getting past all the fluff. We want to make life seem exciting and always thrilling, but it's not. There are times it's just nothing, you know, and I like the nothing seasons. And for a lot of people, they consider that to be boring. I have lived a pretty engaging life. I, you, know, you know, I did this thing the other day where well, I figured out how many sermons I preached. 41 years, and this is just since I've been a pastor. For, for, you know, uh, I, uh, That's a long time, I know, right? 41 years, I'm 64, believe it or not. And so, let's see, I figured out I'd spoken um, an average of, because we do multiple services, we've done all this all these years. Uh, sometimes I'd have Wednesday day, Wednesday night, Thursday. Then sometimes we'd have Saturday, night and then we have Sunday 9, 11 and 1 or we've had 7.30, believe that, 7.30 service, 7.30, 10 or 7.30, 11, 7.30, 9 and 11. Oh God, we've had all kinds of schedules. And so I averaged it out and it was like five times a week on average if you averaged it out over the years. Came to 10,600 sermons. You know, can you believe that? 10,600 sermons not including outside speaking engagements, which added another 3,000. It came to somewhere in the neighborhood of 13,000 sermons in 41 years. I know that's a lot. Are you kidding me? Wow. That's what, <laughs> that's what I said. And here's what's really even cooler. I said, okay, how many days are in uh, 41 years? So if you took 365 days a year, multiplied it times uh, 41 years, you come up to just shy of, I'm rounding it up now, to 15,000 days, 15,000 days in 41 years. So of those 15,000 days, I've spoken 13,000 times, thereabout. That's not including television shows. So we just put it all together and it comes to that. Because I was doing television every day, five days a week. But just to keep it conservative, we, we just said, okay, you know, that's a lot of talking. It is. So, you know, I've lived a very fast paced life. I mean, I've had a lot going on. I mean, uh, you know, good sized staff, good sized church, several thousand members in my church over the years. And so. All that coast to coast, I've traveled and 
internationally, all the stuff I've done, right? And so you get used to busy. Go, go, busy, busy, preach, preach, teach, teach, go, do, serve, manage. And in my job, most of my job, believe it or not, is management. 80% of it's management, it's not preaching. A lot of what I have to do is management, property, staff, it's a lot of stuff. But I have a great team that makes that easy for me so I don't have the burden of, of the day-to-day -day as much as I did in the early days. But my point is there's a whole lot of planning, strategic stuff and all that, and that doesn't include the meetings and all the other stuff. And I'm not complaining, I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious, I have. Because in that season of my life, I learned a lot. The circumstances I went through, as I talked about last week, taught me things that hardened convictions in my life. It made me understand the importance of planning ahead. It made me understand that, the, that for example, doing sermons the week of, of the message is like horrible living. You know, Thursday night you're studying for Sunday, Friday you're studying for Sunday, and you're just under bondage. You know, it's just, and then living always with this tight budget and not having any extra, it's like, oh God, help me never live that way <laughs> again, please, Father. Debt, owing Visa, MasterCard, Discover card, ah, terrible. Department stores, some of you owe everybody. You can't go anywhere. You owe Walmart, Sears, you owe, because everybody offers you a credit card, right? So in my life, I understand what it means to be engaged and to be busy and to be active. There's a verse in Ephesians I want to read to you because this is what really kind of helped me. It kind of helped me bring my life into balance because what I became was addicted to busy. And, and anytime I wasn't ripping and running and going and doing, I felt bored. And so when seasons of my life came that I slowed down, and if you remember in this entire series, I've been teaching on seasons, and I, I, I want to call it spaces, because there, in life there's those spaces where you have no time, like I described earlier just now, you know, thousands of sermons, five times a week, six times a week, traveling all over the place. That, no space. I don't know when I can talk to you. to be next month. I mean, it was just really busy. But then as you get older and you learn how to manage your life better, you get to a season where you have more space, you have more time. And what, what happens is at some point, the kids are gone out of the house, you don't have to look at you know, where they are, you know, they call when they, whenever, not when, well, they call every now and then. And you know, but I have a good relationship with my kids, but they, they have their lives, right? And so you have more space. And uh, I remember the first time I went to a restaurant and I, I ordered for me, I was confused. I, first of all, I could pick where I wanted to go and then I could eat what I wanted to eat and it wasn't about these people, you know? And, and the meal was cheaper because it was just me. But what happens when you get to that space or season, you, you can become bored because now life slowed down. That's why some of you keep piling on stuff because you're afraid of boredom. And, and, and my argument is boredom can be a good thing. It really can. I'm gonna read a verse in a minute, but I wanna read this first. Um, this is a quote from, uh, I love this thing online, it's, it's you know, gotquestions.com, right? Got questions, you can ask, and this is the definition for boredom that came up, it's really profound, and they'll put it on the screen for you. Boredom is the emotional or physical state one experiences due to a lack of mental stimulation, activities to do, or interest in one's surroundings. Life, he says in this article, is not an action movie. Thus, we all will suffer times of feeling listlessness and uh, inmu, uh, which means bored. And, and Proverbs 19.15 speaks of how slothfulness can lead to unpleasant circumstances. Experiencing boredom is not a sin, but attitudes and choices that lead to our rise from boredom 
may be harmful to your Christian faith. Wow. What a good, I just love that. It's, it's the sense of there's nothing that stimulates me. There's nothing that moves me and nothing that interests me. My mind is just floating. I'm absolutely just out of sync with happiness right now because I'm bored. You know, so this definition for boredom describes a lot of our lives. And once life starts to slow down, especially during the pandemic season, when people had to stay home and they went like, oh, my God, I'm in my house. Like, oh, OK, I, I live here. And, you know, you're introducing yourself to your couch because you hadn't seen it in a while. Hi, couch. How are you? You know, <laughs> you know, you, you just didn't know how to live life. And then when you see your spouse and you're on quarantine, it's like, oh, hi there. Uh, what's your name again? We've been married 20 years, right? Yeah. I've never been in this much space with you this Never had this closest space connection. And a lot of times there was people would fight and got divorced. And it's horrible because they weren't used to being together. Other people like me got delivered. It's like, oh, my God, this is like amazing. I got a house and I'm really in it, you know. And there are things that I began to see that I couldn't see before. So it brings me to a verse, I promise. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Listen to what it says. And this is Paul's advice to the board. If you're bored... Okay, this is Paul's advice. Here we go. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Paul has this incredible way of summarizing the way to live life. And he says three things that are really profound. He says, first of all, you got to be careful. You have to be careful. Number two, you have to be wise. And number three, you have to be, I love this, a person who takes advantage of every opportunity. So I call it be aggressive. So you have to, first of all, be careful, right? And I think that's important for you to focus on. How careful are you? Are you, a, are you the kind of person who takes your, your, take, your, take your time, you say, hmm, let me see here. What am I doing today? What am I doing today? What am I doing today? Hmm. Let's see. Are you thinking or just kind of moving? Be careful. Pause. Think. Meditate. Look at your life. Then he says, you got to be wise. Now, to be wise, you have to be knowledgeable. That can be tricky, right? Then he says, you got to be aggressive. You got to take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. Every opportunity, every single thing that, that's put in front of you. Now, I, I think when you are faced with a boring season, if you take on that approach, that you're going to be careful during this season, you're going to be wiser in this season, and you're not going to let yourself become this lazy person. You're going to become aggressive. You're going to become, matter of fact, I now have more time, and that's, that's a gift to me so that I can make life better. I made a point when we went through the pandemic season to write down a list of things I had wanted to do that I have not been able to do. And I began to work on those things aggressively because I viewed this boring season as an opportunity, an opportunity to improve everything in my life that wasn't what it needed to be. And I mean, that's from repairing things in my house. I, I threw out a bunch of stuff I had. <laughs> I have more stuff neatly stored in these big bins and I have this big storage area in my house and it's just really like a really like, anyway, it's big. And so I had all this stuff and it's this wall full of, you know, neat junk. 
and I threw it all out. Took me weeks, but I, I mean, I took the, each bin out and went through all the stuff and made sure it was anything important. I found important stuff, by the way. And I threw it out, and then I called a company. They came and they shredded everything, and they called another company, and they took out, the, they hauled it all off. You know, and it was just great. And now I have this, like, almost empty garage. It's like, cool. Like, nothing's, like, yes, wall-to-wall space. But that's because I took advantage of that opportunity. It was a boring season that I turned around. Which brings me to a Proverbs verse, Proverbs chapter 6, one of my favorite verses. And it kind of gives you this fleshed out example of how to manage boredom. So I call this Proverbs advice to you, Proverbs advice to the bored people of the world. Here we go. You ready? Look what he says. This is, this is again, Proverbs chapter 6. First of all, he says, don't be a sluggard. Don't be a sluggard. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief, scarcity like an armed man. And there are some notes I want you to think about here in this text. There's a total of four simple, profound insights he gives. Number one. First of all, he says to the board, don't be a sluggard. Don't allow a boring season to make you lazy. Sluggard is a strong, strong word. Man, that word, that word just bugs me. I look at it and go, call somebody a sluggard. That, that's them fighting words right there almost. It, you know, a sluggard person. I'm going to look it up. Hold on. Give me a minute. Sluggard, right? This is a, a person of sluggards is, is, is the word lazy, slow, the word means to be a person who's just absolutely creeping along. Don't be that way. A sluggard. I love it. Great word. Then he says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Now, this is like, you want to really see lazy person who's bored doing nothing? You, you're, you're bored, but you're just, you're becoming too slow. Look at the ant, look down, see, and gain what we talked about a minute ago, wisdom. Now, what I love about this text is, is, is simplistic and how profound it is. This is what he says. He says, it has no commander nor overseer or ruler. It has no commander nor overseer or ruler. So don't be like the sluggard. Then he says, don't need oversight. That's the second thing he says. This is advice from Proverbs. Don't be like, don't be lazy. Don't be slow. Don't be in the midst of this boring season. Don't allow yourself to just become this slow, boring person. He says, and don't need oversight. Don't need somebody to come and guide you. Now, I want to say this. I understand the value of having people in my life, but people should not be my main motivators. I don't need to be the kind of person who's so need of support that I need somebody to tell me when to get up, when to go to work, what to do, when to clean up, when to pick up. Don't be a person who needs oversight. Then he goes on and says, don't forget to save. Don't forget to save and gather for your hungry days. Notice the ant stores up in verse, verse eight, provisions in summer and gathers its food for the harvest. So don't be a sluggard, don't be slow, don't be lazy. Number two, don't be a person who needs oversight. And number three, don't forget to save and gather for your hungry days. I just, I know what it's like to have a moment where you run into something and you really kind of knew it was coming, but 
You just kind of didn't do anything when you had the opportunity. So it became now a big problem. But the ant, he says, look down. The ant will show you how the ant stores and saves and prepares. I, I just believe one of the biggest mistakes we teach, we have in church and religious environments is we don't teach people the value of building assets, the value of saving, the value of having something. Well, you don't have to call anybody or, you know, some of you got a, you got a list of people you call. Whenever something go bad, you say, oh, let me call cousin got money. Hey, cousin got money. Listen, it's 15th. I'm running tight, you know, getting near the end of the month. If you could loan me a little bit, I'd appreciate it. Just a little bit. Dad. Just give me, give me a little something now. Give me a little something. I just, how much? Oh, about $500 would be good. Well, then you get, yeah, I did get 500 last month and I planned to pay you back. But the devil came in. And slap my money around again. And then and they, up. Oh, hello, hello. And then cousin got money, hang up. So you call, cousin got money too. Hey there, cousin number two got money. How you doing? And you, see, <laughs> you got you a list. And you, this is your life. Now, when you got your money, you didn't think about anybody. You didn't pay cousin got money back. You didn't pay anybody back. And you're living in this place where you're, you're basically living off people. When are you going to be like the ant and stop being lazy and slow? And when you get your tax return, you don't go and spend it all on stuff you don't need. How about saving it so that when your light bill is due, you can have something if you didn't quite get all the money you needed. Why is it somebody else's responsibility? And I think it's one of those amazing moments that you can learn from. Don't be lazy. Don't be a sluggard. Don't need oversight. You don't need anybody to tell you this again. You heard it one time. You heard me. That's enough. Now you can take it and run with it. Then here's the fourth thing. Don't sleep too much. How long will you sleep? How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up folding your hands and all of that leads to scarcity, it says. Scarcity. Verse 9 through verse 11. That's what happens to you. And a lot of times I think we fail to see the value of a simple thing like an ant who's not sleeping, who's busy working. Instead, if you're not careful, you're sitting around saying, I'm bored. No, this is an opportunity for you to take advantage of this opportunity. Now, there are three decisions that I think only you can make. And they're, they're wrapped up in this last verse here. There are three decisions only you can make. Number one, you're the only one that can decide when you're going to get up. I decided today to clean that garage out. That's my decision. I said, okay, this is the day. The, <laughs> throwing away all this stuff I don't need, even though it's neatly in the corner someplace in bins, I, I decided to get up and do something. Number two, you're the only person who can decide not to fold your hands. You're the only person who can say, I'm unfolding my hands. Number three, you're the only person who can decide not to be robbed by scarcity. The way this is worded is powerful. If you look at chapter um, uh, 6, verse 11, he says, Poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Scarcity will rob you. You're, you're all, and some of you are you're being robbed every week, every day. And, and it's not something you can't turn around, but it's because you choose to make the decisions you've made. I understand that. I get it. I get it. I get it. I believe I believe that if I knew and understood how to manage some of my seasons where sometimes I was too busy. And some seasons I was not moving fast enough. 
Sound like, sound like to me, Pastor Rick. You know, you were busy. I don't see how you could, you were never slow. I was slow to do some of the things that were important. So it's interesting, you can be fast about the wrong things. I, you can be busy preaching and traveling and doing and building and all that. But if you're not saving, you're not, you're not as committed to that. You're not, as committed as you're not as committed to preparing for the future. And that's not just, by the way, that's not just money. That's health. I, I think saving my body, saving my, going to sleep, taking a nap, having days off. And not just, just for some of you who like to take a big vacation and you kill yourself all year and take one little sad week or two weeks off a year and some of you preach a whole month off. I took a whole month off. No, you didn't. You were thinking about sermons the whole time if you're not careful. And, and the problem is you kill yourself in 11 months. How do you think that's going to work out? You kill yourself for 11 months and you take off one. Do you think you recover in one month? No. The problem is to pace yourself. Sabbath was always a weekly experience. So what I want you to do is I want you to take your life and look at it differently. When it's time to slow down, don't view that as boring. View that as an opportunity, an opportunity to build something that you've never had before. A life, maybe freedom, maybe clear thinking, maybe joy. Maybe you can find something that you've lost. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who've been busy, engaged, overwhelmed, overworked, done too much. I pray that whatever season they're in, they'd open their hearts today and that they would make a conscious effort to learn from the ant. That they would say, you know what? I want to be wiser than I've been. I pray for them to embrace life and go forward in Jesus' name. Before I close, I want to say this to you, just as a little bonus thought. You know, you got kids, right? And you look at your kids and they're bored to death. That's an opportunity for you to jump in and help them. You know, we've always, when our kids were younger, we, we worked at helping them not be bored. Even though boring seasons come, we try to fill them up, not with just busy work, but things to make their life fulfilling. Sometimes you can look around you and you can say, why don't I spend this weekend with my kids? I challenge pastors to always finish their sermons on Friday or Thursday so that they can have Saturday with their families. Take the kids out. Let it be kids day. Don't let Saturday be tied up with all that activity. Don't drag them to the church all day, all the time, staying late in the evening. I, did, I went to too many revivals as a kid. I went to too many church services as a kid. And I, I was an unchurched person, but when I became a believer, man, I was all in. And sometimes I didn't manage boredom well. It was an opportunity for me to help exercise, take care of myself. And I, I did learn, though, to take my kids out. We did hang out and played. And that was a good thing. I looked at my wife, and you can see in her face sometimes boring. Like, okay, even now I'll see it. Let's go, girl. What do you want to do? Let's, let's get together and make this a great day. Let's go out. And I gave her a day. This is her day. Every week she has one day. This, this is your day. You choose. You say, well, I can't do that. You, okay, well, try Try. I'm not, I mean, whatever you can do, try. I'm convinced that if I allow her to be bored and if I allow myself to be bored, I'll get into mischief. I think there's a, the boring moments are opportunities for me to fill them with something exciting that can build the future. I can build the future from here. For some of you, this is a word for you. So again, Father, I pray for them that they would take this moment and consider embracing the future, writing out a dream 
and beginning to move toward it in Jesus' name. And I also pray for those who have been maybe around you, but they've never given their lives to you. And may they open their hearts today to receive Christ and open their hearts today to walk with God that they've never had before. I thank you and give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what did you learn today? I pray that it blessed you and helped you see that boredom can turn everything in your life around for you. You learn how to embrace it. It's a season that must come. You can't have life seen as one big action movie where everything is always moving and always jumping and everybody's ripping and running. It's not like that. Life is about seasons. Life is about boredom sometimes. You don't have anybody to go with you. You don't have anybody to help you. It's just you all by yourself. Nothing exciting. You did everything already. But what you can do is take what you have and create something new. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who are struggling today. May they take the season they're in and build something new and amazing. Allow you to work in their life in a new way. I pray they'd be wise, Father. I pray they'd be open to you today. To take advantage of every opportunity in front of them. And so we give you the praise of the Lord. Amen. Listen, thanks for being with me on demand. If it blessed you, link it and send it to a friend. Love to have you share the word with somebody else. I'll see you next time right here on demand. God bless. Bye-bye.